morning, church. Everybody comfortable? All right. I think uh, God really just doesn't want us to be comfortable. That's why he don't let us have air conditioner about twice a month. So, <laughs> or he's trying to get some of our attention, but I'm not even going to go there this morning. Um, but anyway, um, we've been going through this series uh, called Broken. And, and the, re- the reason I believe that God has chosen us to go through this series is because a lot of people choose not to deal with the junk in them. A lot of us choose not to deal with, with the struggle. We, we choose to uh, suppress the reasons why we feel certain ways. And if we're not careful, it will nullify what God's trying to do in our lives because we focus more on how we feel than what God said. Amen? And so I think we all need to realize that we talked about last week how all of us are broken and uh, this week, we're going to be talking about Moses. And uh, Moses is, is like, when I read Moses, I can put Jeremy in the place of that some days. The way Moses reacted and the way Moses uh, responds and what Moses does, I feel like uh, that's my life story. And we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. But we're going to be at Exodus chapter 3 uh, to, this morning. Um, and I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll get, we'll get into it. Father God, uh, again, we want to come to you and, and pray. God, we want to praise you, Lord, for the God you are. We want to praise you, Lord, for, uh, Lord, just uh, bringing us here together today, Lord. And, and God, I just uh, I thank you, Father, for what you're doing in the hearts of these people. And, uh, God, thank you, Lord, for uh, just how you're speaking to me. Uh, God, I pray today that you would uh, just, God, use us in a powerful way. God, I pray that you would change our, our mindset, Lord. You would, God, you would remove the baggage that we've been carrying around for years. Uh, I pray, God, that you would allow us to give you the hurt of yesterday in exchange for what you want us to do today. God, move in us. Lord, change us so that we may glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I got, I got one praise before we get started. Last week, um, when I got ready to step up in the pulpit, I got a text from Ben Boone. Um, they were just talking about, you know, the process, where JB was at the time. JB got in a bad accident last week. And if you have Facebook, you may already know what I'm fixing to say. But um, what, what looked to be something very catastrophic that was um, going to take months to recover from, uh, God has intervened. God has healed JB. And uh, they, the chest tube got taken out this morning. He's probably coming home this afternoon. Amen. That's good, isn't it? Ben, uh, ben made a statement to me one day this week. He said, I always knew prayer was powerful, but God has taught me what the power of prayer really does mean. And that's awesome. So Exodus chapter 3, we're going to talk about Moses and what God's done in Moses' life and through Moses. Um, but before we read about Moses, I'm going to give you a little brief uh, summary, a little context of who Moses is. It, is. Moses is a Hebrew, and he was born in a time that uh, the, the Egyptian pharaoh was... He, he was just worried that they were overpowering. The, the Jews were, were, were multiplying. He was going to kill off so many of them. And he, he said, what better way to do it than kill off the, the, the males? So um, when that happened, that's when Moses was born. So there was a death wish on his life. His mother saw, uh, just loved him so much and saw something different about Moses. So instead of allowing that to happen, she hid him, which could have could have caused a lot of problems for their family, but she chose to, to hide him. And then at the right time, she put him in the Nile River and floated him down in a basket, which takes incredible faith, if you think about that, because I have a little boy, and when Payson was born, that's the first thing I thought about. 
Would I put Payson in a basket and float him down the Geechee River? Nope. But she, she floated him down the river because she knew that Pharaoh's daughter was there. And, and so when Pharaoh's daughter saw the, saw the child, she took him out of the river and she pretty much adopted him, took him into her home. And so he grew up a Jew that the Pharaoh hated. He grew up in the house of Pharaoh. Only God can do stuff like that, right? And he grew up in that and, and, uh, until he got to an age where he realized he was a Hebrew and God began to stir in his heart, and he seen the oppressiveness of his people, and he, got, he just got so, he knew that, I, I really feel like he knew that God had something he wanted him to do, but he didn't know what to do with that. And a lot of times, if you don't wait on God, you'll cause a mess, won't you? And so, anyway, Moses uh, acted out of, of zeal, and he, and he kills this man that was beating a fellow uh, Hebrew, and a fellow Jew, I guess you could say. And so, he, he, he beat him, and then when he, and he killed him. He killed the Egyptian. Moses killed the Egyptian. And when, he seen, when that happened, instead of Moses dealing with the problem, he chose to flee from it and run from it. And he left Egypt, and he, and he, stayed, uh, he stayed in the wilderness for, for many, many, many years until we get to chapter 3 in which he meets with God. See, a lot of us are just like Moses in which things have happened in our life, and we've chosen not to deal with it, so we've ran away from our problems. We've ran away from our issues. We've ran away from the hurt. Uh, the per- Maybe it might be the person. Maybe, maybe things have hurt you in your past, and so you just put up this wall. And there's an emotional barrier there. There's a block there. There's a hardening of your heart in that area. And, and so you run away from it and not deal with it. And eventually, if you're walking with God, he's going to circle back. He's going to put his finger on it. And that's not fun to deal with, is it? No? Some of you looking at me like, I hadn't dealt with it, so that's why I'm here. And, and so God's, what God's doing in this moment at this burning bush is he's starting to put his finger on all the problems in Moses' life, all the reasons why he's running, all the reasons why he, he just hasn't went back to Egypt, all those things he's putting on him right now. You know, I love this because when I summarize Moses' life, I mean, he was born into an impossible situation. He was abandoned. So many people fight that abandonment. They feel like nobody, they wouldn't, this person didn't love them, care about them enough, so no one else does. His life was pretty messed up from the beginning. He was born in adversity. He was broken from birth. And in spite of all of his flaws, I love it that God chose to use him and lead him. He, he chose to use him to lead the Egyptians out of that. But he got ahead of God. And, and, and I love about this was that in God, when I was writing this out, God just kind of spoke this into my spirit. But it was, he, it's like he said, a broken beginning doesn't determine that you'll have a broken future. But you, we have to decide not to walk in that. Are you with me? So I, as I think about Moses, he was a murderer. He was a runner. He didn't want to admit his problems. I mean, no wonder all the stuff that happened to him previously, no wonder he had confidence issues. He was a Jew in, 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 in Egypt. He was in Pharaoh's house. He probably stuck out like a sore thumb. They probably ridiculed him. So no wonder he had confidence issues. No wonder he had anger problems. No wonder he had identity issues. But I love how God can use a bad situation to teach Moses who he really was and put him right exactly where he needed to be. See, we don't like bad things. 
We don't like to be uncomfortable, but a lot of, most of the time, what God has done in my life has been, it's been the uncomfortable situations. It's been the bad things that has put me in the right place at the right time. Amen. I, I was talking to Ben this past week, and, and we were talking about different stuff, and I got tickled because every time I'd go see JB, Ben would have somebody else he wanted me to go pray with. And I'm like, look, boss, that ain't how it works. I mean, God, you can pray like I can pray, so you go pray with him. He said, oh, I done prayed with him, but I want you to come too. And it took till about Thursday, Ben calls me, and um, he's not an emotional man at all, but he calls me really broken, and he said, you know, I've been walking in condemnation about what happened, and I've been, been hurt, and, and, and didn't, just questioning God from the get-go, but I got a chance to go pray with a young lady yesterday that she had a child that the doctor said abort, and she chose not to abort the child, and her husband left her because she wouldn't abort the child, and she's just hurt, and she's broken, and I had a chance to pray over her because I know how she feels about being abandoned. And I'm just like, quiet. And he's like, you all right? You, you there? I was like, yeah, man, I'm okay. I'm over there trying to fight back the tears because only God can turn something bad into something good. But we got to be looking for it, right? Often we just constantly, most of us are negative, if you want to admit it or not. We always look at the bad stuff, right? And it overpowers any good that's going to happen. We look to the negative of everything. And so it's, it's all bad, all bad, all bad. But when God comes in, he starts making us see the good. He starts using the bad things to make things good. And I love that. I love how, <laughs> I love how Moses was abandoned when he was a child. And that he was probably marked by that. But yet, God used him to minister to people that felt abandoned by God. Because the Israelites felt that. See, a lot of stuff we go through in life is not for you. It's for the people God's intended you to minister to. It's so that we can relate to other people. It's so that we can, we can be right there. I'm not, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm, talk, I'm talking about me. But me, if you come up to me and I got an issue and you, says, you say, you know what, I read about this in a book and this is how you need to respond, I'm tuning you off. Because you ain't got no idea what I'm dealing with. And that's me. But if you come up, you come up to me and you're like, Jeremy, look, man, I walk right where you are. I, I, when, when Sabrina and I were going through some issues with our marriage, <laughs> I had a very, very well-intended lady come up to me and she's like, Jeremy, my marriage has been perfect. I, I swear this is what she said. My marriage has been perfect since day one. We've, I've never struggled. I don't, I, but I tell you, if you read this book, I guarantee you it'll help you. And it was like five ways to a successful marriage. You know what I did with that book? I throw it in the trash. But I had a man come up to me, a good friend of mine. He was like, Jeremy, I've been right where you are, and I know the hurt you feel. But this is what God did in my life through this. So I'm not saying that this is perfect, but this is what God said do. This is what God, had to, God did to restore us. This is what God did to restore me. And the greatest advice he told me, he said, God told me that I had to fix me before I could fix my wife. And if I had not had that man that had been in that same struggle walking with me through that brokenness in my life, I would have, our marriage would have remained broken, and we probably would have never got reconciled. But see, God used a man that had been in my shoes to identify with my problems. Y'all tracking with me? So some of you need to tell yourselves that the trial I'm walking through ain't for me today. And you need to be looking for people that you can share the trial with 
to help them get over it. Because this life is not about us. It's all about giving God glory. Amen? It's about projecting Jesus and projecting what God can do. So Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to kind of dissect this out. Verse 1 says, Now Moses was tending the flocks of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Median. Median. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horban, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that through the bush, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here am I. This paints an awesome picture of how awesome our God is. Because it shows you what grace looks like. Because even though Moses was jacked up, even though Moses was messed up, God didn't say, Moses, you get your life together, then I'm going to use you. See, that's the lie that the church says today. We got to get cleaned up before we can get you can be used by God. They also say you got to get cleaned up before you can come to God, but that's a lie, right? So what he does is God shows grace and mercy upon Moses, and he says, you know what? Even though you jack things up, you, you're not so jacked up that I can't use you in spite of you. Amen? God, I'm so thankful for a God that looks over my insufficiencies. So in spite of Moses, God appeared to him, and he comes to him. See, I, I think in this, what God really spoke to me is, is God doesn't see me for who I am in the moment. God sees me for who he's going to make me into. Amen? God's got a plan for all of our lives. God's got a purpose for all of our lives. And, and he's, we have to walk in that. That's why it's so important to listen to what he says and do what he says because my path is not like your path. God's, God's ordained all of us to walk a specific route and, and minister to certain people through certain situations and circumstances. That's why we have to be obedient and walk with him every step of the way. But when we, when we listen to Satan's voice, when we listen to our own self, and we listen to, to, to just really the denial of the God, when we start listening to our insufficiencies and our inadequacies, and they start talking about you can't do this and you can't do that because of this, because of that, then we nullify what God wants to do in our lives, and so we stand still where we're comfortable. How many of us are just comfortable where we are? Don't raise your hand. But 90% of Christians are comfortable. We got our own little routine. We got our own little thing. I, 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 do, I spend my little 15 minutes with God, and I go to work, and I do this, and I do that, and I come back, and it's the same thing every day. Every day. You're not listening for God to do anything different. You're just content with right now. And God didn't call us to be content. God called us to be people that are focused on him and allow him to move us and use us every single day in different ways. Amen? And I'm not preaching at you. God's teaching me that too. I've been, I don't know if I, my wife tells me I've got a very bad short-term memory which I think is good because I forget the, the failures from yesterday, right? See, God, I'm so jacked up. God don't want me to even remember what I did yesterday because he's like, if you do that, then you won't do what I told you to do today. So some of y'all need to pray for a short-term memory. But anyway, I, 
I share stories sometimes, and Sabrina's like, you shared that story two Sundays in a row. I was like, really? I don't remember that. But God's been putting me in places to where I've been walking, and God will be like, Jeremy, you need to go say this to this man or say this to that woman. And, 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 in the, and, it's, and it's so out of my character, out of what I, who I am, to where I know it's God because it wouldn't, I, I don't want to do things that way. And, I've even, and, and he's been teaching me how to walk with him and, and let him use me to be a blessing to other people. That's what he wants us to be, right? So he comes to Moses in this burning bush. And, 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 and it's, it's so awesome to me, and I hope somebody gets a hold of this because this, burn, this bush is burning up. He goes to this ordinary burning bush, this ordinary bush, right? This bush is ordinary. It's not this, it's not this gasoline bush that's, you know, that catches on fire easy. It, it isn't this special type bush. It's just an ordinary bush out in the woods. But yet God chooses to use that bush to draw Moses to him. See, that's exactly what he's trying to do with a lot of us. Use us in our ordinary lives to show the power of God through us to draw people to him. We have to let God consume us. Y'all looking like a bunch of dead people in here today. But the reality is we have to allow God to consume us. We have to allow God to say, God, I want more of you and less of me. Consume me so that people will see you and they will be drawn to you. That's the way I'm living. See, God's plan is to work through ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God wants to use all of us in a, in a, in a real way. But see, most people will never step into what God wants them to do because they don't see themselves as valuable to God. You don't see yourself as valuable to God. You see yourself as unworthy. You see yourself as, as, as flawed, as broken. God can't use me because of the abortion. God can't use me because of the divorce. God can't use me because of the infidelity. God can't use me because of this. Let me tell you, that might have been who you were, but that, ain't, that might not be who you are right now. Amen? God can't use me because of the drug abuse. God can't use me because of the, the alcoholism, because of the lifestyle I used to live that's, you're allowing Satan to come in and, and, and destroy what God's wanting to use to promote you to reach people that are like you. So we allow the brokenness to keep us from, from being used by God. And that's exactly what happened to Moses. Man, if I would have seen that burning bush, I believe I would have cut a backflip. When God would have said, Jeremy, Jeremy, I, well, I probably would have been dead. I probably would have died right there. But you think about that. I'm in that moment, and he says, and he tells him that he re you realize that this is God, man, I believe I'd be jacked up. But when God comes to us, most of the time we're not really jacked up about it because it's an inconvenience to me. It, it messes up my schedule. It, it, it makes me uncomfortable. I have to choose if I want to obey God or not. It puts me in this awkward place. But the reason we don't obey God is because we don't value God like we say we value him. See, church, it's so important. So he, he uses this ordinary bush to get Moses' attention. So he says, Moses, Moses. And he says, here I am. Verse 5. God says, don't come any closer. Take your sandals off, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, 
I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I am, so I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, land flowing with milk and honey, the home of Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians have oppressed them. So now, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I mean, there's no pause in that, right? There's not this, uh, all right, he meets God, and God says, all right, man, I'm finna send you through a 90-day, 90, 90 uh, you know, program. We're going to get you ready. All right, we're finna put you through a program, training program, to get you ready to be used by me. Did he say that? No. He meets God, and two sentences later, God says, all right, I'm sending you out, boss. And my, all of us, including myself, First thing would happen would fear would begin to erupt right here. And the next thing that would happen with every all the I can'ts, all the insecurities, all the the lies, all the things people have said about me in the past has hurt me, all those things are like I, I can't, I can't be used, I can't be used. And that's exactly what happened to Moses. God spoke to Moses and he assured him that he was God. He assured him that he was going to deliver the people. He, he, he assured him that he was going to lead them into the promised land. And he assured Moses that he had chosen him to be the leader. How awesome would that make you feel? That God chose you to do something big for the kingdom. Come on, anybody want to answer? How awesome would you feel? Would you feel pretty good? Huh? Would you, would you, feel, would you, would you feel a little, little pride going on? Like, I'm, God's going to use me. Would you, kind of out of a little hand. Would you be excited? I've got one man that's going to be excited in the joint. I, I knew you were going to raise your hand, but one man, I'd be, I would be jacked up and excited. I'd be ready to go, right? And some of you are scared because you know I'm baiting you for something. Because in reality, God has purposed all of our life for greatness, right? He's a purpose. He's, put, he's got a plan and a mission for each person in here, right? Put Matthew 28 on the screen, Russ. The 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When he saw them, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's what God has purposed for our lives. And if you've been reading along with us, that was in our 412 this past Tuesday. And it's like, God's, I want you to understand that God's purpose for everyone in here is that we would make disciples, that we would lead people to Christ, right? Not that you would be a great churchcomer. Not that you would sing awesome, awesome songs. Not that I could preach. No, not those things. He, he called all of us to be people that were leading other people to Christ that we're walking with other people and teaching them how to be a follower of Jesus. He's, that's the plan for all of our lives. 
But in 90% of American churches, an average Christian is not doing those things. You know why? Because we allow our inadequacies to nullify the call that God's placed on our lives. We walk in the brokenness, but we won't let God heal us. So instead, we, we settle for coming to church instead of being used by God. And until we, won't, until, God, until we allow God to deal with our brokenness, the church is going to just keep spinning its wheels and not go nowhere. Oh, we revved up on Sunday morning, baby. We just sitting there just squalling the tires. All these men in here know what I'm talking about. Every teenage boy, that's the first thing I want to do when I got 16. My daddy had a brand new truck. First thing, my daddy's very peculiar. And daddy said, boy, don't do nothing stupid in my truck. No, daddy. Why, would I do anything like that? I ain't, we lived down the dirt road. I got to the dirt road. The first thing I did, I pulled out on that highway. I power braked that boy, and I let it eat. Just spinning tires. And boy, that thing made me feel so good. But I wasn't going nowhere. 90% of churches, and sometimes I'll, put, I'll even put hours in there, is that we're spinning our tires, but we're not going nowhere. Because when we start going somewhere, is when you are going somewhere. When you are walking to your neighbor and sharing the gospel. When you're going to your neighbor and sharing a meal. When you're being the light outside of here. That's when the church starts moving forward. But we don't move forward because we are so consumed with us and our hurt. And we're not allowing God to deal with it. God has a great plan for your life. But most of us in here respond just like Moses. So many people struggle with low self-esteem just like Moses does. They they struggle with that. They didn't feel adequate. So they assume God would never truly use them to do this. Or they were or or they're okay being where they are and let God use somebody else. That's not that that's a lie from the enemy. Satan, God, God wants to use you. Satan wants you to think that you can't do nothing. He wants you to sit at church every Sunday. Because let me tell you, if you up here every Sunday. And you're just sitting up here with your legs crossed and you're just listening. And guess what you're not doing? You're not moving. You're standing still. God wants us to be people that are moving, right? God wants us to be people that are, that are not just stagnant Christians, but are just allowing him to use us and, and move the ball down the field. And we say we want God to use us in a mighty way, but yet we just come and sit. And we don't move when God says move. See, verse 11, I love this. Verse 11, but Moses said to God, Who am I that I would go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? That one sentence tells you right there that Moses could not see himself. Moses could not see him like God could see him. See, and, and, and see, I tell you what, this past week I had, I have, um, I struggle with, 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 uh, with uh, inadequacies. And I don't share a lot because when I share how I feel, then people want to come and counsel me after service. And so I don't share a lot. Uh, they want to send me an email and be like, Jeremy, if you do this, you'd feel better. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and I wasn't talking about nobody, but that's just what happens. And, and so, but anyway, this past week, what happened was I felt like, I began to think about this text, and, and, and I'm not. I haven't been to seminary. I, I, haven't, um, I haven't done all these things that the religious 
say you have to have to preach. So I get all this ridicule from preachers, and so I let that creep in. And I have all this stuff, and I want, when I come to church, I want to be able to tell you what God said, not what I think, you know? And so, and, and I'm, I'm sitting there struggling through that this past week. I'm driving, and I'm thinking, God, I don't know what I'm going to say. And, 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 you know, maybe, maybe God, you need to get somebody else to do this because I, I'm just dumb. I'm just a dumb country boy. I mean, that's all I am. I just, I just, I, just, I don't know all this stuff. And God said, Jeremy, I didn't call you to preach for them. I called you to preach for me. You know what that did? I wanted to get out of the truck and do a little jig. I wanted to dance because God was speaking to me, telling me, Jeremy, this ain't about you. This is about me. And when I make things about me, then I try to put me on the sidelines and say, God, I can't. When he says, if this is about me, then you can. Amen. And so a lot of times we got to get our focus off of us and off our feelings and start putting our focus on God. And when Moses was looking at himself, he was, he was standing on the sidelines. He was in this great encounter with God. God was speaking to him. God said he was going to use him in a mighty way. But instead of, God, instead of him seeing the God of the universe, valuing him so much that he was going to lead, allow him to lead those people out of bondage, instead he saw an abandoned man, one that his mama didn't, he didn't think his mama cared about, one that was ridiculed. He saw somebody that outwalked God. He saw a murderer. He saw somebody that wouldn't deal with, my, with his problems. He saw someone that, was, that, that never thought he was worthy of nothing. I'm just a lowly shepherd in what he thought. So he was seeing himself like everyone else he thought saw him instead of backing up and saying, God has came to me, so he must value me. Amen. Church, I want to tell you something. If you, have, if you, have known, if you know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and you're following him, guess what? He values you. Amen. He valued enough to come to you and offer you this awesome gift of salvation. So stop saying that you're unworthy when the king of kings have came and brought salvation to your door. You're worthy. And your salvation seals that. But our inadequacy, our brokenness tells us that we're not worthy. See, the biggest problem, I think, even for myself is... I worry about what other people think than I worry about what God thinks. And you know the problem with that is when I start doing that, I start being anxious and I start walking in anxiety because it's like, it's like every step I'm taking, I'm like a little kid walking. I'm walking I, when I remember in elementary school, I was, I was walking as a kid. Remember, you'd walk and it was like, don't step on them cracks. You're going to break your mama's back. You remember that? I was walking, maybe I just been us, but I'm walking and making sure that I wasn't stepping on no cracks. And, and man, it took me forever to get to class because I'm like, uh-uh, I ain't stepping on no cracks. And see, that's the thing. Like when people are constantly saying things about you, you're trying to dodge everything you can dodge so that they won't say those things about you so they won't hurt you. Because you're worried more about what they think than what God thinks. But when you're worried only what God thinks, you don't care about what nobody thinks. You get to your destination a lot faster because you're focused on God and not on everybody else. See, and most people, I, I mean, I'm just going to say, you can say you don't struggle with it, but you do to a certain degree of, of approval of other people. And so instead of being obedient to God, that's why you won't walk out and witness to somebody because you're worried they're going to think you're crazy. And you know what? They probably do. But when you come to that person that's broken and that needs salvation, 
and you walk, step out of your comfort zone and you walk to that person, you share the light and the love of Jesus Christ with them and they receive salvation because of you seeing yourself or what God sees, how God sees you, guess what happens? They don't think you're crazy. And it's worth it for that one moment, that one soul. If all of Jenkins County, if all of Scriven County, if all of Burke County, if all of Emanuel County thinks that you're crazy, but you bring people to know Jesus Christ, it's worth it. It's worth it. We got to realize that when God saved us, church, that he saved us to make us new. He saved us to change us. But we've got to let go of those things that, 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 that we were broken to. And it continues to break us. We can't just come to church and, and paint this pretty picture. We got to allow God to deal with us. We got to quit putting the mask on. We got to take the mask off and allow Him to deal with us. You know, when, as I read through it, I was like, what all was Moses dealing with? See, when Moses says, God, I can't. Moses says, God, who am I? What he's doing is he and he's not exposing himself to God. He's holding tight the things that he says he values more than God. He was protecting his inadequacies. He was protecting his excuses. How many of us protect our inadequacies? We, we've said that we can't on multiple occasions for certain things because we feel inadequate. And instead of saying, God wants me to do this, I'm going to step into it. We hold on to it because, you know, we kind of like where we are, right? We like the comfortability of just not having to do anything or not having to, to feel that, that push by God. We protect what, what's going to inevitably destroy us because we can't keep making excuses and say we actually hear from God. Every Sunday, every Sunday, people grieve the Holy Spirit by not listening to what he says and coming to a place of repentance and admitting that they're jacked up and say, God, I want to be different from today forward. God, change me. We have to be in a place where we're constantly broken before God and allow him to make us new. I got this cup that I love at the house and I love drinking out of it. I, I don't, I've never, because it keeps all my stuff hot, and man, I just love it. It's one of them Yeti cups. Well, I messed it up, and you know, you're supposed to put it in a dishwasher, and I don't listen to the directions, so I put it in the dishwasher, and I warped the top of it. Well, yeah, I'm hard-headed. I'm going to drink out of this thing anyway. It's, broke, it's broken, but I'm going to drink out of it anyway. I put the lid on it, and the other night, I filled it up and forgot that it was messed up. That Yeti keeps it hot, baby. Y'all with me? <laughs> it's about 1 in the morning. I'm up there working. Uh, just, I, I think I was. I think I was working on a sermon. I was. Sometimes I can't sleep, so I was up there drinking coffee, and and uh, that might be why I can't sleep. But anyway, I reach over and I grab that cup. I had one hand on the keyboard, one hand on my coffee cup, and I give me a good, good old sw uh, swig of it, and about two cups of it goes down the front of my shirt. Now y'all think I'm Pentecostal now? Let me tell you something. I was screaming and jumping around. So if Sabrina would have been away, she would have thought somebody was killing me upstairs. <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy. That thing was burning me. It's because I chose. I knew it was broken, but I chose to use it anyway. I knew that it was messed up, but I, I, did, I didn't want to fix it. I don't want to 
See, that's a lot of us. We cause ourselves so much more pain when we choose to hold on to stuff that we need to let go of. You know what I'm saying? How many of us, are, that's, that's our life. That's the book of our life. We keep holding on to things that we should have let go of a long time ago. And we walk in this constant brokenness. See, I love it. If you want to write these down, you can if you're a note taker. But Moses, when he was protecting his, his inadequacies and his doubt, like Exodus chapter 4 verse 1 is when he says, Moses says, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say that the Lord did not appear to you? So he had doubt. So what Moses is really saying was, uh, I don't believe, right? In his doubt. When we doubt, it's saying that I don't believe, not that they won't believe. How many of us nurse Nurse that, that, that doubt in our life. The, the next thing is, is he, he, was, he was protecting his, his, his uncomfortableness or his speech impediment he thought he had. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord, in verse 10. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and of tongue. What's hilarious is I quoted God that same thing in a prayer when he, I told him that I wasn't ready to preach. You know what he said? I don't care. I'm glad he did, but that's, uh, we, we nursed those things. He was insecure what other people thought of him. Verse 13, Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, but please send somebody else. I mean, that was driven by fear. He was so fearful. Nursing those things. What does God's word, word says? We are not given a spirit of fear, but a fear of, come on. Oh, if, y'all, if I can't finish, y'all can't finish it, I ain't going to finish it for you. Y'all go look it up this week. Tell me next week. Read your Bible. What's wrong with y'all? But see, when we protect our inadequacies, we, we nullify what God wants to do in our lives. And we have to allow God to deal with those things so that, guys, when we're broken and we remain broken, we can't be used. But when we allow God to heal us, then he can use us in a mighty way. Verse 12 says this, and then we're going to close out. It says, and God said, I will be with you. He promises Moses, I will be with you. And this will be the sign that you, to you, that I, who have sent you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And God said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation the generation see in the middle of all this when Moses questioned everything God gives him a promise and he says I'm going to be with you I know this feels hard I know letting go isn't easy I know that there's pain attached to this problem but if you'll do these things I will be with you amen man that's so good see we got to go back to these promises and when we want to just back up and punt for God. We got to go to these promises and say, all right, God, I know you said you're going to be with me, so I'm walking through this door anyway. 
See, God promised him that Mo, to Moses that he would be with Moses. And then he told him all these signs of his faithfulness. He showed him, he, these, this will be the fruit of my promise. Amen? And so when we walk in the goodness of God, we begin to f- see those fruits in our lives. When we, when we walk out of the disobedience, when we walk out of the brokenness, God starts filling us with other things. And this fruit is proof, is showing me that I'm walking with God. Y'all, y'all tracking with me? So, so often we look at the, the fruit of the destruction instead of the fruit of the presence of God. And we've got to walk in those things. And what I love about this is Jesus tells his disciples the same thing in Matthew 28, 20. He says, I will be with you to the end of the age. So, so God's called us to do certain things, but we're scared to step out. And he's promised us all through the Bible that he would be with those he sins, right? If you go to work tomorrow, not worried about what your coworkers how your coworkers thought you were last week. But go over the intentionality of saying, God, use me today to show them you. I'm telling you, fear is one of the biggest problems we face. And there's a song that says, fear is a liar. Russ was singing it this morning. Fear is a liar. And I remember going to work one day and I got, I, I, I'm following Jesus and, and I'm preaching revivals and, and, and I, get aggravated at work one day and I get snappy with one of my co-workers and, and, and it wasn't godly. I didn't cuss, but I should have. It was all but that. My attitude was horrible. And I left out of there with an attitude, with, with anger and frustration. I get in the truck and I start leaving and God starts dealing with me. And I'm like, God, I don't, don't, not today, Lord. I got a meeting I got to go to. I'm going to be late all because of them and not today. God was saying, you need to go apologize. I'll do it later, God. And the further I drove away, the more intense it got. And I turned around and went back to, my, to them. And when I got there, I opened the door and they were all talking about me. And I broke down. And I apologized. I told them how sorry I was and that, you know, that I'm, trying, I'm, trying, I'm following Jesus, but sometimes I'm jacked up and sometimes I mess up. And, and this, this, that wasn't me. But see, if it was about Jeremy, I would have never turned around. And if I wasn't allowing, if I wasn't listening to God and allowing him to deal with me, then I would have never turned around. And they would have said, look at that two-faced hypocrite saying he goes to church. He's even a preacher. But yeah, you see how he acted? I would have just crushed all the influence. But me coming back with humility, admitting that I'm wrong, paints a way different picture. But see, that brokenness in me, that pride of not wanting to admit that I'm wrong, I had to swallow that and then go turn and, and, and make it right. How many of us need to go start making things right? How many of us need to take that foot out of our mouth that we keep putting in there every, every, every week? How many of us need to just go and say the word, you know what, I've done you wrong and I'm sorry? How many of us need to, to be real with that? Hebrews 13. It says this. Thirteen. Verse, th- verse five says, Jesus, what is God saying? Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God says, Never will I leave you nor forsake you. So we can say with confidence that the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? And what I want you to understand 
is that the biggest problem that we have is we don't want to deal with the things that were broke that were that's broken in us, the inadequacies in our life is because we're afraid of other people. And what God keeps trying to remind His people over and over and over that He will never leave us. He's always with us, so we can have confidence in Him. Amen. We can have confidence that if I boldly walk in repentance, if I boldly walk towards You, God, and say, God, Lord, forgive me of my bad attitude that I constantly carry because of my messed up childhood. God, God, forgive me of this. Forgive me of that. If you just give those problems to God, He's going to fix you. He's going to heal you because He's your helper. And see, you can't fix yourself by yourself. Right? I remember when I broke my leg, I couldn't get to the doctor on my own. I had to get help to get to the doctor. See, God's saying, look, I'm going to fix I'm the doctor, and I'm also going to fix you too. I'm going to help you get to me. But we have to reach out our hand. Right? I remember laying on the ground, that motorcycle was still running. I was laying on the ground, and buddy come around, he's like, you need some help? I was like, no, man, I got this. He's like, okay. And I stood up in shock, and I went to take that step with this leg that was completely destroyed, and I take this step, and you know what happens? I'm laying on the ground with my foot facing the opposite direction. And I was like, yeah, there's a problem there. I think I need your help. See, some of us have to get brought to the place to where we are so utterly broken. To where we realize there's no way out but God. Don't get there. God's given you your, God's given all of us his hand every day. So we don't have to get to that place where we've been rebelling against God and saying, no, not now. No, not now. No, not now. Until we're in a place where we're so messed up. We're so jacked up. We're so... We're so disgusted. We're so depleted. We're so um, just discouraged to where he has to actually pull you up. He's got his hand out just wanting you to say, come on, let's, let's fix this today. Let's fix this brokenness today. Let's fix this hurt you got today so that you can be my vessel. See, what's wrong here was not God in none of this. It's not Moses. It wasn't Moses' ability. It wasn't that, that God wasn't faithful in any way. But it was the brokenness that was in Moses was his ability to receive what God was trying to give him. Y'all with me? See, we're broken. We won't allow God to, we won't allow God to give it to us. We won't receive it. We won't, it's laying out there and we just got to grab it. We just got to get hold of it. But we won't take that step and just grab it. Right? We won't reach out there and get a hold of it. My little boy, he loves a pacifier, and it's the devil trying to get rid of it. Pacing went around the house the other night, all night long. Passy, passy, passy started crying. He's wanting that pacifier. Me and Sabrina was like right behind him. Passy, passy, where's that thing at? Just frantically looking for something to pacify this child that was just screaming. We looked around for 15 minutes and then turned around, and guess what? It was on the counter the whole time. All I had to do was reach out there and get a hold of it, and I would have fixed it. That's 90% of us in this room. We're walking around screaming out things that would pacify us, that would help us, that would make us feel worthy, that would make us feel complete, that would make us feel like we are loved. We're searching for all this stuff when God's got His plan laying out there, and all you got to do is reach out there and grab it. You're wasting so much time that God's put you on this earth for just focused on things that don't matter. 
Read Ecclesiastes. Listen to what Solomon has to say. Everything is meaningless unless you have purpose in your life, unless you realize the purpose of your life is to glorify God, right? And we won't, we won't walk in that. This is, this is so pivotal for most people's relationship with God is until you give God your problems, until you give God your inadequacies, until you give God your excuses for why you won't let Him use you, you won't be used by God. So the church is going to keep spinning its wheels. Not because God didn't purpose the church to reach the world. It's because He's put the gas in the car. He's put you in the vehicle, but you got your foot on the brake. And we got, our, we got our other foot on the gas saying, we got to go, go, go. But you won't let off. You won't let go to be used, to be propelled by God. The problem isn't God. The problem is us. It's not God. It's not His message. The breakdown is in us. So what's broken in you? Let's just let's stop looking at God and let's stop looking at Moses. Let's look to you right now. What is broken in you right now that hinders you from receiving what God is trying to give you because the breakdown is not in God? What will you not receive that God's trying to give? Maybe it's forgiveness of your past. Maybe, maybe God, God's already forgiven you, but you won't forgive yourself. Maybe it's something that's happened in, in a long time ago. See, I met with a guy, this, I, I love this guy, and I've worked with him in the, in the woods, logging before, and we were doing this stuff, and man, he's got a great spirit, but he is alcoholic, and he can't let it go. And I, I met with him a couple weeks ago, and I, I, I was driving him somewhere, and I said, man, let me tell you, I love you. And he started crying. And I said, I just, I just want to know one thing, man. Why do you keep going to this when you know you've been to rehab five times, brother? What in the world is, keeps you going back to that? What, what makes you have to just drown all these problems with this thing that you think fixes it when it just messes you up worse? And we sat there in my truck for 45 minutes, and as he talked about what happened when he was 17 years old, and he left home, and his daddy died two days later and they had a bad argument he said I'm killed my daddy my daddy died of a broken heart my daddy died me thinking I hated him my daddy he's been carrying that for 40 years church he's been broken for 40 years he's been using all this stuff to fill him up and he has been useless to God and Satan has had victory over his life because he would not give him the brokenness And that's alcoholism. But how many of us have been plagued to bitterness, have been plagued to unforgiveness, have been plagued to, to just acceptance, have been plagued to what other people think? What, what, is, what is your vice today? What keeps your foot on the brake? Why can't your heart be close to God? What's broken in that that you want to allow Him to bring you to a closer level? And if your brokenness won't allow you to be used by God, there's nothing that God can do to allow you to be used because he's given you all the opportunities. And he wants you to love him more than your inadequacies. He wants you to love him more than your excuses. And he wants you to love him more than yourself. And we hold on to the things that are broken. We're telling God that I love this more than I love you. Thus, we're never going to be used by God. 
if you will stand with me. And I'm going to close. And my heart this, this morning, is, is, you know, I want those that are lost to be found. My heart is for those that, that, are, that, are, that don't know Jesus to come to know Jesus. But my, my heart is also is for all of you in this room. Those of you wearing blue, those of you that, that are heart and soul in this church, those of you that are visitors that have been coming, you're looking for something. You're looking for something new. You're looking for something that's going to fill a void in your heart. And maybe you've been walking away from God. Maybe there's something missing. My heart is for you guys to really, truly know God for who He is, to know how deep, how wide, how how tall God is, and, and to be filled with His presence and to be walking so many people think that we want you to be a lighthouse for, for, for Connection Church. I want you to be a lighthouse for Jesus Christ. I want you to go to work tomorrow and people see you differently and God use you because it ain't about our church. It's about Jesus and other people knowing him. I want you today to take your foot off the brake. That's my heart. And if I could reach over there and kick your foot off of it, by God, I would. But I can't. Because my, my truck is pointing in a different direction than yours. I got a different purpose than you do. Christian, why do you feel empty when you're spending time with God? Why do you still feel like something's missing? Because you're not walking in the purpose that God's put in your life. Because when I obey God, guess what? He gives me more energy to keep going. When I let stuff go, He fills me up. That's why so many of us run empty because we're not walking in the goodness of God. We're not allowing Him to fill us up. When you're broken, you can't hold nothing, can you? It keeps leaking out. So today, maybe you need to patch the hole. And only you can do that. Mr. Nick, Mr. Orch, you come here, please. Mr. Nick, Mr. Orch, they're a part of the prayer team. Rick Lane, he's a part of the prayer team. Carrie Cook, she's a part of the prayer team. Guys, if God's moved, guys, you need somebody to pray with you, come grab one of these. Come grab me. Let's, let's get serious. Amen? There's more at stake here than your pride. There's more at stake here than your comfortability. This is us being the vessels God called us to be. Maybe they can help kick your foot off the brake. Amen? So let's do business with God. Let's be serious. This altar is open, and when they start playing, y'all start coming. If God's moving, pray. When I start praying, you start coming. Just do business with God. Amen? Father, we come to you right now. And God, I pray, Lord. Lord, I pray for a sense of humility in your people. I pray, God, they would stop looking at themselves for what they, how they see themselves, but they would look at themselves like you see them. God, I pray that they would see themselves as people that you've extended grace to, that you've seen worthy enough to give them the gift of salvation. I pray, God, that they would be people that want to be used by you. God, I pray whatever voices the enemy keeps throwing at them, I pray, God, whatever excuses they've been giving God of why they can't, I pray, God, that they would begin to use, you begin to just move in them, and, and God, they would bring these things and lay them at your feet today, God. Lord, help us be people that are not being a hindrance, God, to your purpose in our life, for your purpose for this church, God. There's so many people in our community that need to know you, God, but God, they won't know you unless we show them that we know you. And that, God, what you've been doing in us, God, we are your plan. And help us understand that there is no plan B. That the purpose for our families is through us. The, the purpose through our, our work co-workers is through us. The purpose for our neighbors is through us. God, use us, Lord. And God, I pray today that we would put our pride aside. And God, you would shed your powerful light 
to the dark, darkest place of our soul and show us where we're cracked. Show us what we're holding on to. Show us what we're flawed so that we can allow you to glue us back up so that we can walk in the fullness of you, Lord God. That's most important. So God, we pray that you would get honor and glory by the repentance and the heart change today.